0: Hey, Amy, how's it going?
1: Hi, Mitch, how are you?
0: I'm doing good. My first question, who are you and what do you do?
1: I am Amy. (laughs) I am the director of Sofa Sound Seattle. Um, I'm originally from Germany, but then moved to London, and now I'm based in Seattle.
0: Great. Uh, And you have a cool history around music. I want to touch on all of it. Uh, but let's start with kind of the recent present. You took over as director for SoFar Sound Seattle in 2018. Yeah. What were your initial goals uh, for the Seattle SoFar chapter when you started? And where are you at two years later?
1: Yeah, uh, that was a wild ride. So I had previously been an ambassador at Sofa Chicago, and that's how I found out about SoFar. And really, when this position opened up, I was like, wow, this is my dream job, I get to bring Sofa to a different city. Um, And Sofa had existed previously as like a part-time city here, so they did like one show a month or so, just for the fun of it pretty much. And when I took over, really my biggest goal was to make it as big as Sofa Chicago where I just came from. So it was to make the brand big here so people are aware of what it is, um, a personal goal really was to really get involved in the local music scene to just generally provide that platform for artists to play. Um, yeah. And just fuse the music scene together that Seattle is so famous for. Um, yeah. And two years later, it's really crazy. Cause we started off with like one show a month back in August, 2018, and right before COVID, we were up to 30 shows a month, which was really one show every night. Um, so the growth has been just incredible, and just being kind of accepted into the social, uh, social and uh, professional music scene was just so beautiful. And yeah, it was everything I'd hoped for.
0: <laughs> That's pretty wild. And you're the only full-time employee of So Far Sound Seattle, right?
1: Yes, I so, am.
0: So what are you your duties? I know there's volunteers, but are you handling everything from the artist and venue booking to coordinating volunteers, staff training, or even guest customer service?
1: Yeah, pretty much everything you just mentioned. <laughs> so it's everything that goes into the business. Um, it's artist booking, venue booking, handling the team, handling happy hours, your budgeting. You are running community partnerships. You're running commercial partnerships. You're in touch with like the entire regional group on a global level. It's just, it's everything that you can imagine goes into the business up to posting on social media to, you know, shout out a, a single release that a Sofa alum has just uh, posted. So it's literally everything you can imagine.
0: And are you Are you literally handling all of that? Or do you have a team of volunteers under you that you will say, social media, I don't want to have to deal with this week. I have other meetings, you post this.
1: No, unfortunately not. (laughs) So first of all, we moved away from our volunteer system already, oh my God, a while ago, a year ago or something like that. So our events are not run by volunteers anymore. They're run by crew members. So they're all, I I do have part-time staff under me that I'm managing that runs the shows. But unfortunately, it's not like, oh, I don't want to do something. I'll just pass on to someone because it's just everything that goes into my role has to be obviously be done by me um, because I'm a full time employee. But we had over one summer, we had an intern that was really wonderful who did it for college credit, obviously. And um, that was a little bit nicer because she was super into marketing and social media. So she was able to take some of that off my plate for a little while. <laughs>
0: Well, you're definitely busy with that then. Um, I've (laughs) performed at SOFAR shows in Seattle and Denver, and they were run pretty similarly. I'm sure they're kind of uniform practices across all SOFAR shows. But are there any ways you think the Seattle chapter is unique or stands out?
1: Yeah, I honestly... I think Seattle is so unique, but I'm sure every director says that about that city. <laughs> I am, um, for me really coming from so far Chicago, and it was a community that was very involved and coming to Seattle, I realized like the music scene is so tight-knit. Like it's incredible. You know one person, you kind of know everyone and that's what I really, really love about um, Seattle as a city. And I think also just because of the music history we have here, that's probably a reason why it's so tight-knit. Um, so I think the local community here is just very unique compared to some of the other SOFA cities that I have been to. And I've traveled a lot with SOFA and I've been to a number of different cities and the vibe is just different in every city. And obviously I'm biased. (laughs) So obviously I feel more home in Seattle with the community here, but yeah, that's just something really beautiful.
0: So, so it's like an artist kind of bond where it's i imagine a scene like la could be more competitive but here you're you're saying that the artists are more kind of collaborative and supportive
1: yeah exactly it's i feel like here artists are just they're elevating each other all the time and if one artist can't do a gig they'll pass it on to a friend or like another one and they have seven other recommendations to you know to fill the slot and that is just so much support that you don't really see that much in larger cities. Um, and that is kind of what really drew me in.
0: Nice. Well, what about genre differences? Um, like between Chicago and Seattle, Do you find one city, oh, there's a lot more kind of folk-based artists or there's more... R&B type artists in one city. Mm-hmm. Have you picked up anything like that?
1: Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I think like generally the PNW is a little bit more moody. It's a little bit more chill and more like singer-songwriters, indie folk, um, which is like a, absolutely my cup of tea. But coming from Chicago and then starting to book in Seattle was kind of crazy because you have this like the the cultural divide. Um, in a way, Chicago, a city with a lot of um, diversity, a lot of hip hop. Mm. Um, and then I came to Seattle and I was like, I totally want to mix up my lineups. And the first few times when I booked like hip hop, people were like, what? Is happening when Seattle, like, why is this, is this hip hop artist on um, the lineup? And it took a little while to kind of get the audiences on board for that. Um, which I think is super interesting. Cause if you look around generally in the Seattle music scene, it feels like you are looking at a lot of like folky indie rock and alternative, a lot of like moody stuff too. If you look at all the venues that have shows they are all kind of in the similar genres. Um, and really for so far, it was about, not playing it safe, and you know, really kind of opening everyone's minds to a very like diverse lineup and different artists as well.
0: So let's talk more about that because that's interesting. It's something that goes kind of understated, whether it's a so far show or any music booking show, that there is kind of an art to making lineups. Um, and and with you, you have the added thing where you're you have all these interesting venues you're booking shows at. So if you have maybe, you're looking at the month ahead and seeing Mm -hmm. all these different artists, you're saying, I think these bands will work together and this kind of venue and yeah, are there any practices you have or it's just a feel thing and what artists you want to put together or even the order? Because you're deciding who goes first, middle and last.
1: Yeah, it's... it's, um... It's kind of an art in itself, I think. I I think that has been almost the most creative part of this very kind of business-heavy job. Um, It is very much about... You know figuring out what will work in a space so it definitely depends on like what venue you have if you have like a larger venue that holds like you know 200 people maybe you don't want to strip back like no amplification singer-songwriter opening or like even at all in the show potentially so it's about like figuring out the technicalities of the venue first of all the, set, the acoustics in the venue and then figuring out what artists might work together well um because it's a lot of times the lineup doesn't flow if if it's diverse. So you don't really want like a folky band and then like a pop EDM band right after that because it just kind of ruins the vibe a little bit, not because of the artists obviously, but more so because it just didn't set the right mood throughout the night. Um, We always internally call it like we're setting a mood um, with a lineup and we'll kind of almost like internalize a theme to it Um, When you're booking with the number of shows that we then actually ended up having it, obviously we don't get it right every single time. And it is difficult to figure out, you know, who works well, especially if you have an artist that plays for the first time and you have this, like, image of how they're going to sound and what they're going to be like in real life. And then it's different or they came with a different setup or something. Um, So it's tricky. It's like you figure out a way to get a feel for it. Um, And yeah, you just make sure you go to as many shows as possible to also see all the artists live and know what their setups kind of look like.
0: That is interesting because a lot of musicians, they're not going to be able to perfectly replicate what's on their record live. There are different Mm -hmm. arrangements. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. I've personally seen some people who maybe I love their live stuff, but hate their record or the other way around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I bet you get some interesting surprises there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So far, shows aren't going to be right for every musician out there. What are you looking for when deciding to book an act or not?
1: That's interesting. We get this question a lot because I think people have this image of Sofa, like, oh, it's in someone's living room and it's a guy with a guitar. And that's just kind of that's not what Sofa is. And that it took a little while to get people out of that mindset, especially in Seattle, because that is what they had seen here before we became full time. And I honestly say I want everyone applying for so far. And there's always a way if you have someone like with a big band or a hip hop artist with backing tracks, like there is a way to strip it back. And it's not like we have to be no amplification. Like it's not an acoustic show. And I think it's kind of figuring out how to communicate that to a lot of artists and to be really inclusive in that application process which is something that we're currently reviewing too where we're like why do people think it's a guy with a guitar at so far shows like how can we be more inclusive in that um in the application process already when people are submitting Mm -hmm. their music Um, and that has been just very dear to everyone's heart and especially the new full-time cities that came around because you face those challenges just coming in um, and yeah, really my answer is so far would be for everyone if you're open to figuring out a set <laughs> and usually everyone's open to that.
0: Yeah. And I, I, think artists, they like the challenge of trying to, if, if they're doing the same songs, kind of yeah. the same arrangements every night at their club shows or mm-hmm. theaters, whatever it is they're doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Rearranging and
0: I, things for a so far is kind of a fun challenge. I know we, we've had that.
1: Yeah, that's so glad. I'm so glad to hear that. I, I hear that from a lot of artists that say, like, oh my God, they get booked and they're like, Oh, I can't wait to like figure out a, a proper setup. And there's some artists that I love at sofa shows because I like their strip back set better than the recorded stuff too, mm-hmm. because it's so much more unique and just so much, I don't know, you put their vocals and just generally their talent in the spotlight rather than everything else around them. And I think that's kind of the beauty of figuring out a, a sofa set.
0: Yeah, I I and we've used so far shows to kinda of try out songs. Mm-hmm. Um normally our, our band we play with, with a full piece and our so far as we've done a few with the full band, but generally mm-hmm. it's just Uh, Myself and our our singer
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, So we may have just written a song that Week that the rest of the band hasn't learned So it's Mm -hmm. like let's try this out and maybe And you can get audience feedback from it Because we'll tell a story we'll let them know This is new we may change Mm -hmm. the chorus We may do these things Mm -hmm. and you Get direct feedback from the audience with these so far Shows where they'll come up to you and say That new song I like this and yeah
1: Yeah it's really cool it's also From the other side but for me and the Team and the audience is also cool to get that Kind of exclusive look into Right. you know your work and you get the song that wasn't released yet and it's just new and then like three months later when the song drops you're like oh yeah i heard this at a sofa show
0: <laughs> oh that's so cool mm-hmm. so i guess everything we've been talking about has kind of been stuff that you were doing eight months ago what <laughs> have you been doing now with with covid I'm, you're still full-time busy
1: mm-hmm, yeah what does
0: what what it look like behind the scenes
1: it's uh weirdly busy I didn't think it would be. So when we shut down in March, it was, Seattle was the first city that was affected. So really, my God, there was a week in March where everything was just going under and I had to figure out what to do and just on calls with like our CEO and our VP to figure out our game plan. And that was difficult. Uh, Shutting down just took like, uh, it took a lot of work and a lot of heart and a lot of soul um, out of me because it was just, you know, so far, such a huge part of me and my, even my personality, my social network, and everything. Um, but then when we shut down, we kind of took that time to reevaluate how we work as a company. And you've said this before, every, like I was busy. I was the only full-time employee and it, it was so difficult to be one person in a city and it wasn't sustainable. So this is how far has been running everywhere. You have one person that's just working on everything in the city and then at some point hiring a second person maybe, but that's it. And we really took that time in the first, in the beginning, like April, um, to reevaluate our company structure, to reevaluate like how we are scaling and Downsizing, like there's no way you can go up or down in our current model because when you lose one person, you're losing the market. Mm. So, and same thing when you're opening a new market, you only have one person to grow it on. Like that's just not very sustainable. So, we took a lot of time to kind of look inward um, as a company, what we're doing well, what we're not doing well, how we can put us in a better position after COVID, um, and. Obviously, with that, our community, all the communities of part-time employees that are currently out of jobs, unfortunately. Same with, like, our artist community. And then we shifted our entire focus. Like, it was so beautiful. We kind of just focused their the attention and work on, and time on working on creating artist resource um, support and just any way we can help in all the different communities. That was our first focus. The first, like... Q2, I guess, a little bit of Q3, who even knows anymore. Um, and then, then- we're not in December.
0: We're in very, very late <laughs> March.
1: <laughs> I can't even believe it's December. Oh my God. Uh, so a lot of the focus at the beginning was like our artist first focus. How can we be- become a better company to also just be a better company within the world, within the music community? And then uh, I personally was working on the uh, listening room, our live stream, mm-hmm. Uh yeah, our weekly live stream, sorry, daily live stream at the time. And I worked a lot with a production team and with a marketing team. And I have some background in design. So I was designing a lot of stuff for the listening room and just kind of helping out wherever I could in marketing. Uh that was wonderful because it was just really cool to use the skills that I've been doing in Seattle just on a broader level for a little while and helping out the teams. Um and then we've been working on a reopening plan. Like Sofa is currently very aware of everything, what's happening. And we are thinking about what would the world look like when we're coming back? Um, you know, how where's our place when we're coming back? How can we make sure that we come back safely for everyone? Not only our own teams, not only for our cities and our team members, but especially for our artists and our hosts. So it's been just a huge, you know, bundle of a lot of different projects to kind of make sure that we can come out of this uh and put us in a good position to yeah come back with live music
0: i'll be curious to talk to you about that because i think so far as we will kind of be the guinea pig for it you'll be able and theoretically you'll be able to start doing shows before bars mm-hmm. and clubs yeah uh, th- just the idea that there's often more smaller intimate shows uh yeah. where a lot of the rooms they are under 100 people and yeah when at least washington specifically the initial bans was just like all right no events over 250 people and then it was no gatherings over 50 so you could theoretically have an opening where you can have Mm -hmm. gatherings of 50 people and so far shows could happen
1: yeah Um, exactly i think um we we thought the same way in the beginning, yeah. but definitely stopped ourselves really quickly. Because right. only because we can doesn't mean we should. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, as I said, it's always safety first. And we also don't want to be the company that is taking advantage of what this music industry currently looks like. And I think that's really important. I've seen a ton of like competitors pop up. Like there's a company called like Secret Seattle. It right. keeps on popping up on my Instagram. And I'm just like, Mm, you maybe, maybe you shouldn't only because you can right now. And we we decided not to. And when we do come back, you're right. We have that competitive advantage compared to like Live Nation, right? And and bigger venues. And I think we will also see a lot of competition pop up. So. I do think we have that advantage in terms of our just global community. I think we've been around for a long time. I think we've built a lot of very solid relationships in all our like prevalent markets. So I do think there's definitely that. But with all that being said, really for us, it's safety first. We're not just going to come back when we can. And we will always err on the side of caution when it comes to that. And we're probably going to focus more on like outdoor shows in the beginning, Um, you know, where the weather allows, obviously. Um, and just making sure that we can have all of those safety requirements um, in place, vaccine or not, um, regardless, even when the vaccine is out and, you know, it is widely distributed, we will still have a lot of a lot of those safety measures in place just to be super safe.
0: Well, well, when they do start happening, uh, yeah, let us know, because I've been itching to play shows. For... <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: yeah. you'll be the first I'll text. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, let's see. So you mentioned when when we were first emailing setting this up that you kinda of had a strange path that led you to being in so far starting as an actress to A&R in Chicago to working at Warner Music in Germany, then mm. back to Chicago doing so far stuff, and then here. Let, yeah. Let's start touching on some of that. <laughs> so actress, I found your IMDB page. <laughs> There, there are no acting credits on there, but there is an additional crew credit for something called uh, Meet Pursuit Delange. You worked on this? Yes. All right. So, what did you do on set? Was it a good experience? Let, tell us about is, it. And are there any other acting credits we should yes. know about?
1: That is hilarious. I can't believe you looked me up. (laughs) No, so I did not have an IMDB page for the longest time. Uh, Obviously, that role in particular wasn't a role. It was a production role. That was already my face where I decided to go behind the scenes and not wanting to be in front of the scenes. And I was with an agency called Mad Dog Casting in London when I had just started my uh, bachelor degree because my bachelor degree is in theater. But because I was at school, I couldn't do full-time acting. It's When you're in drama school, they give you like contracts and stuff like that. So you can't take any big roles. So really throughout drama school, I just kind of took tiny roles, like extra roles and like one sentence feature roles. And I just continued doing that. And most of my acting stuff was on stage. So really over the four years in London, I probably had mostly like independent. My friend wrote a script. Let's do it at this French theater sort of thing. and. After I graduated, I was like a full time actress for like a year doing mostly like commercials um, because that's where the money is <laughs> and a lot of like just extra work. So, absolutely nothing big, no, no like gigantic production. But all the other extra roles were really cool and like the tiny feature roles in like bigger movies. Um, like, my first one was being in, in James Bond. I already forgot which one it was. The one where they're also in China, but I forgot what
0: it was. I haven't but, seen any of them. What, what yeah, were you doing on it, that?
1: It, I was literally just an extra. It was my first like extra gig, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing! Like I'm on set for this huge Hollywood movie." Can, but, can, did
0: you watch it? Could you see yourself in some no. scenes? No. <laughs>
1: Absolutely not. So you can see why my acting career didn't actually lift off that
0: much. <laughs> but was this your, your dream since you were a kid that I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna be an actor? Yeah. And you did it for over a year.
1: Yeah. Well yeah, I did it for four years, I guess, including my drama school. And it was my dream because I so I was like really terrible at school. I was so bad at like everything except for the arts. So I was good at like painting and like um theater and music. And then I realized, Oh, maybe I want to become an actress. And I used to be like really awkward and shy and just, you know, typical kind of, you know, nerdy girl. And I then discovered acting and was like, Whoa, I can be someone else. So it became my dream for a little while and it was nice to live it, but it was also kind of, uh, it was really soul sucking too. Cause it's an industry that's so difficult and I'm sure it's the same with music, I guess. Constant but. rejection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's constant rejection. It's so superficial for me, especially like I'm, I'm Asian, but born in Germany, but have an English accent. Like it, it was so difficult to put me in a box. Oh, interesting. So yeah, it was just really hard to get, um, like leading roles because they would never want someone who's so weirdly in between. They would put me very much in like Boxes, So that got really frustrating at some point. And then I kind of realized, like, I don't think I could do this for the rest of my life. Like, even if the career would lift off eventually, like, it's not really something I would want to be judged for or, like, known for. Um, yeah, so that was the end of my acting
0: career. <laughs> but but if someone said, hey, we want you, whatever the role is, if if you were just offered something you didn't have to audition, you would take it. you still have that drive in you to want to do <laughs>
1: No, I don't think so anymore at this point Really? Okay Yeah, it's weird I think it just kind of died down with like my teenage self Mm Because I I think it's just It was a really beautiful phase in my life And I really appreciate like all the opportunities I had But I'm kind of like done with it Even if like Jude Law were like I need a, you know, lead woman to be my lover I'd be like, (laughs) okay, (laughs) no, thank you Right. which is, it's huge. Cause I love Jula, but
0: yeah, <laughs> I, I have a, a feeling story. that offer actually came across. You may think about it for a couple of days. <laughs> maybe,
1: um, yeah. I
0: guess last acting question. What is there a, a role that you got to do that? You're like, this is my favorite thing I've done. And it actually was super fulfilling. Was, was there a highlight of those four years?
1: Okay. It's, it's kind of a weird role. I, I got really excited ones. about this. Yeah. So there was a children's play and I like, I'm not, I'm not into children. <laughs> and it was it was a children's play that I got casted for, but I really liked the script and it was based on like very like um old-timey Chinese um stories and mm. it was like merged between like different Chinese tales. And first of all, I was never necessarily connected to like my Chinese culture, but I kind of got super into it and weirdly surprisingly really loved the role. It was a leading role and it was like a love story between like kind of like Romeo and Juliet, but in China, sort of. And it was just kind of surprising to me that I liked a children's play. And we ended up touring through like different schools and it wasn't oh, cool. at all like, whoa, well, I was filming on this glamorous film set, but it was like, wow, you're telling like a story that's close to my culture, like where I came from, and you're telling it to children that will be actually influenced by this while they're growing up. And that was kind of beautiful.
0: And I imagine it's like a band where you start, you develop a kinship with, with the people you're working around and with. So there's really is a community on this stage crew.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You feel like it's your family for such a long time, too, because you work on it for such a long time. So you just, yeah, you know everyone so well. They know you inside out. And yeah, it's a beautiful community.
0: Well, a- after you, you wrapped up the acting thing, that's when you started, you moved to Chicago and started doing A&R there or, or was Germany first? Yeah. At Warner. Yeah.
1: I need to think so after so i went to chicago for like a summer just to uh go travel and i stayed for like three months and fell in love with it Mm -hmm. and then i went back to germany and just kind of like hung out for a little bit then sorry went back to london again hung out for a little bit then went back to chicago again over a second summer and that's when i was like oh i kind of want to like maybe volunteer somewhere and like, see if there's something going on in the music industry. And while I was in London before that, I kind of made a ton of friends that are just musicians and producers and a a typical European, I am, I'm super into underground electronic music, like house and techno is completely my thing. And when I went to Chicago, I was like, well, I don't really, I don't have a work visa, so I can't work anywhere, Mm. but I really want to like volunteer somewhere. So I volunteered for this uh, music label called Make, I don't even know if they're still around, but spelled M-A-E-K. And they were like, oh, we're gonna do a cool festival over the summer that's gonna be like Coachella, but in Chicago, which (laughs) just by the sound of it, obviously that did not happen. Uh, It was not like Coachella, but it was cool because it was like an electronic music label and in Chicago where Chicago house is such a huge thing. Um, So that's how I kind of started volunteering there because I volunteered for that festival. And then I just became such an integral part of that company um, cause there were only like six people and yeah. they were like, well, do you want to kind of like, I had like one month left or so. And they were like, do you want to slip into some A&R stuff? Like, do you want to figure some stuff out for us? Like to build us as a, build us up as a label. So I did a ton of kind of just scouting, figuring out like what our contracts would look like. Um, really, really just based on what I maybe knew at the time and, like, kind of learned, my, learned myself. Um, and then I realized, like, wait, am I good at this? Like, is this because it was so weird to me to be good at something else? Like, for me, it was like I was always supposed to be an actor and then all of a sudden I slipped into AR and into music. And then I realized I really love this because I've been in the shoes of being an artist on the actor side. And being on the business side all of a sudden was kind of interesting and I realized that a lot of the things I kind of knew naturally from being an actress in terms of like promotion and marketing and how to build your brand that actually helped me in music business so that was great and then I left because my visa was over like you only have three months to visit Mm -hmm. um and then I went back to Germany and was like well what am I going to do with this so I ended up just applying for a ton of different jobs in Germany and music and there really isn't a lot except for one on music. So uh, that's actually the German like uh, HQ in Hamburg, my hometown. And I was like, you know what, I'm never gonna get it. And then I got in, which was just, I, how lucky was I? (laughs) It's crazy now that I think about it. Um, And that kind of went That's when I really got into music, and I was uh, a temp in promotion and marketing. I wanted to stay, but then I had applied for grad school in Chicago in the meantime, Mm. and I got a full scholarship, so I was like, ah, this is definitely something that's kind of a a once-in-a-lifetime thing, so then I left Warner Music to go to Chicago to get my master's degree (laughs) in music business. (laughs)
0: That's crazy because once you get the Warner Music job, I imagine you could see like, all right, this is the job I'll do for the next thirty years, mm, yeah. and just
1: yeah, yeah you had moved around think... so much
0: already to then to go move yeah, again, exactly, that's it's... wild.
1: I think you think that when you think about a a global music company like Warner Music. And I loved that they were my first real job in music. I learned so much. And I've worked with incredible artists. Like, the fact that I was even able to do that is just completely mind-blowing to me. And it just opened up a world to me. Just putting that on your resume opens up a world for you. Um, That really is the reality of it. But for me personally, Germany wasn't my dream. Like that's why I was born. Like I I was really used to my hometown. To me, that was boring. I'd already lived in London and I've been to Chicago so many times. So for me, it was like, I'm going to get my master's now because I want to be in in that city more than I want to be at a company.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. So... Yeah, you're talking about you have learning all these skills you didn't know you had or, or from being an actress, learning, marketing yourself, making a brand. What do you see? Are, are there failures you see in like the Seattle music scene of bands who aren't mm. uh, doing all they can to kind of promote themselves or market mm. themselves? Are, are there best practices or particular things you're like, oh, I see you're doing this. A lot of people are doing this. I would yeah. recommend doing this. I know that's abstract, but...
1: Yeah, it's very broad, I think, because it's difficult to say it generally for, like, you know, generally the music scene or artists that I've worked with. I think, like, the biggest thing I've kept on saying to artists this since, like, 2015 (laughs) is that you need to know business. There is no way you can just be a musician. And I've had this, and I understand that. Like, I I have been an artist myself, like, I, I am now. I do see myself as an artist in my personal life. And I know that you want to focus on your art. And I know that that's where your creativity and inspiration lies. But I think, like, without business knowledge and without knowing how to network, without knowing how to build relationships, you can't go anywhere. Like, even however talented you are, there's so much talent out there. Um, And I think really the most important thing, and I've seen it in a lot of artists, is just that they don't really know how to carry themselves in, like, professional conversations or, like, they feel like they should be treated like much better than everyone else because they're so talented. And I think that's just, that's generally my life advice. I think to be humble and to really kind of just, you know, tone it down a little bit. If, even if you're talented, it's you still need to know everything else on the other side. And I think like I've seen it a lot in, in my friends that are artist managers too, that are struggling to communicate with the artist because you just don't have that open channel of communication. So I think that would, That would be kind of my biggest advice. And in terms of like marketing yourself and promoting yourself, give yourself enough time to promote something. That's so, so important. You're working on a song or a music video for such a long time. There are multiple people that put so much work into it. And if you don't have like, at least like a six week plan of promoting it, or like at least giving some teasers out here and there, unfortunately it's going to live on YouTube and have like four views from your family. So I think like that has been a huge thing that I've seen in a lot of artists. And I I'm guilty of it too, with like my art, I put it on my Instagram and I'm like, yo, cool, here it is. But you know, I think when you're really building a brand, it's about that like mystery and building and like building up to a release. And then from there, kind of using that momentum to keep on going.
0: Yeah, that's, the truest thing I've heard in a while where because you're you're right if, if I'm writing a song and I we spend all this time maybe it's a few weeks of like really refining the writing and the arrangement recording and mm-hmm. then you go through different mix phases and then you shoot the music video once you have it done it's been a few months and you just want it out there you want the idea out of your head and just yeah and I've I've done that before where the second we get a mix back I'm like i i'm like all right the mix will get back in a week let's get the album cover and let's put it out and i'm so ready for for mm-hmm. people to hear it because you're excited yeah. for it yeah and exactly. and then th- that's what we did when we first came out with things and then mm-hmm. realized that oh for radio stations to play things they they want it at least a month in advance if you want blogs to cover it mm-hmm. they there's so much focus on something being new if you say mm-hmm. hey this came out last week Mm-hmm. By the time they get the email and have time to write it, it will be three weeks old and it's yeah. not worth writing about. Yeah. So that's yeah. really, yeah. yeah. I'm just it's... echoing what you said, but it's it's true. <laughs> I, I, yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's it's I understand because it's living in your head for such a long time that you just want it out and you're excited when it's out. But what I want... I want everyone to be excited about it right and not not yeah. just the band that's finally releasing it but more so also having built that momentum before that and I think like yeah what I said earlier also it's all about knowing the right people on top of it and how to like you know build those relationships and keep those relationships fruitful throughout your entire career really.
0: The other thing you were saying uh, for, for advice for musicians is tone down the ego And I, I was kind of surprised because I do what we were saying earlier that it is a really nice supportive scene here Yeah, and it's been, it's very minimal cases. I've seen people that kind of give off that jerk behavior. Um, Yeah, yeah I, I know it so far. We won't out names, but our, a photographer. We have a mutual friend with Joel. <laughs> uh, he told me a story about just one band that was a nightmare to work with. Who, who's on the blacklist? Will never be invited back. Yeah, how long is that that list now of bands or acts? So <laughs> never. back to so far
1: it's okay first of all there's no physical blacklist
0: but it's it's a mental list yes it, it
1: definitely is and i think like okay first of all this is not just advice for only musicians like in general in the music industry and in all creative industries i think there's this perception where people think they have to be you know just rude and they have to be like you know strong and just really i don't know if i can say those words on this podcast, but just not nice people. (laughs) But, um, there's this perception and that has bothered me all along, especially being a woman in music. There's just always this like, well, if you are not being rude, then it means you, you know, you're not on top of your shit, which, oops, sorry. (laughs) you are good. Okay. Which I just think is so ridiculous and so this advice goes to both anyone in music business or in any creative industry i think um and artists and i think that like mental blacklist it sounds pretty personal but i think in general especially at so far especially our company that's so focused on community so focused on really elevating people around us having someone walking with an ego and being really difficult to work with is just unacceptable and I get that there are always like communication issues like maybe something wasn't passed on by a manager and then you have a normal conversation about it and it's fine and you try and resolve that problem like that's why we're there for and we take in that feedback as well if something is lacking at a show and is an artist isn't happy with it we have that conversation with them and I think that that is just the right approach to just kind of talk it out and figure out what the problem is like we're all at fault somehow. It's not only one artist that was being difficult to work with. It was maybe that email communication the day before with a manager that didn't come through. Maybe it was something personal that happened in their life that day it doesn't really matter. Like really for me, it's just be nice. Like, just be respectful. You don't even have to like me. Just be nice. (laughs) It's it's so easy. And I think like having been in music now for a long time and having been in like the whole film industry before that, I, I see so many people that just, don't do it and they they burn bridges like crazy and i will never understand because you are your network and you are the people around you so i think yeah i feel very strongly about just being a kind person in your work just gets you so much further than you know just yeah being difficult to work with
0: Yeah, I agree. And it is a theme across all kind of live production. I mean, the easiest question, all the time you're doing, you're like on a stage doing theater productions, was there ever one single time ever where it went perfectly?
1: No. Of course. (laughs) yeah.
0: And it's the same with music. There'll be some mix issues, maybe the sound, Mm -hmm. like if you have a monitor coming on stage and you want to hear your vocals, Mm -hmm. like there's so many shows I can't hear my singing Mm -hmm. and it's yeah, you want to work with the people to correct mm-hmm. that, and also just realize it's not going to go perfect every time. Exactly, yeah. yeah.
1: And I think that I I I get the ego thing, and everyone has an ego. Like, I right. have an ego, everyone has you an ego. You want the it's art normal. to exist at its you, highest
0: level possible.
1: Exa- yeah, exactly, and you have high standards, and it's your baby. Like, that's your music, is your baby, and if, if something isn't working well, and you're getting frustrated, I a hundred percent understand and I think it's more about then communicating that and being nice about it you can be frustrated but don't let it out on someone who's closest to you
0: (laughs) yeah we 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 have a rule that if there's a a show where it goes bad or just something like don't cry until you get home (laughs) yeah (laughs) because like I've because um we, we we've had shows where just something goes wrong, and it's a death of identity. You you invest so much yourself in and your art that if it doesn't go well, go well, you internally view it as a reflection on mm-hmm. yourself not being oh, yeah. of worth. Yes. So if those shows happen and someone comes up to talk to me afterwards, I want to be like there's such a temptation if they say, Oh, I, I like this and be like, Oh yeah, but it wasn't good. And this, yeah. yeah. Wait, wait until you get home. Yeah, you're, exactly. you're bringing the, you're bringing everyone else down around you and it's.
1: Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And also no one else noticed. That's the biggest thing. Like, most people don't even know what happened. That's also and... a
0: frustration because yeah. if they didn't notice, I'm like, were you not listening? Do you not <laughs> yeah. hear how bad that sounds? Like because yes. you want validation when it doesn't go route. Go yeah, low. yeah, exactly. But, but you're right. No one, no one notices.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> cool. Um, well, I want to talk on the artwork that we haven't touched on with you yet. It's your visual artwork. Uh, let's do your show and tell.
1: Ooh, okay. Let me let me figure this out real quick because I need to share my screen, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had so... some
0: screen lagging on my end, so hopefully okay. this the screen sharing will um
1: okay, let go, me... go
0: off without a hitch.
1: Let me give a. Google just logged me out, let me log back in again. Also, mm-hmm. I thought it was best to create a, a slideshow so I didn't have to show my uh, sketchbook yeah, hold, into yeah. the camera. But then I was like, ooh, now it feels like a work presentation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm all here for it.
1: So you will see in a second. Um, backstory while I'm pulling all of this up. Um, as I said before, I, I used to be really creative when I was like a teenager. And I realized that I kind of completely lost that when I started moving into the business world and like really getting into my like adult life, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And during quarantine, I just had the opportunity to really get back into it and like figure something out for myself and like Tried different styles and have no one judge me on it. And that was really nice. So that's kind of the backstory on how I like rediscovered my creativity throughout um, quarantine. But yeah, here's a very <laughs> Already improvised, I'm this. improvised uh, slide <laughs> as an introduction. But uh, yeah, I'll be showing you my sketchbook today. Um, so I started quarantine with watercolors. And I got kind of inspired by people saying that they hate their spaces, because mm. a lot of people were like in lockdown and they were just like, oh, I feel so stuck. Like, I really want to like go outside. Like, you know, I hate my place. It's so tiny. And honestly, I was kind of taken aback by that and was like, you know what? just be happy that you have a nice space and, you know, you have a cute apartment. So people started sending me, like, photos of their apartments. And I was like, oh, okay, why not? I'm just going to paint them now. And, and the one on the left is, like, my first ever watercolor. It was actually Anna and Art. I'm not sure if you know them, Date Night and Arthur James. Oh, um, right, right. Yeah, sofa alums, and they they live together. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to paint your little, your little living room. And then the one in the middle is one from my colleague, and then the one... After that, it's just like a, a random one that I had an uh, art prompt for. So I just got really into watercolors. Um, and then I got into traveling um, mm. images because all my friends in Europe at the time were not under lockdown and were traveling. So I got very jealous of that um, <laughs> and just started painting it so I could pretend like I'm in Europe traveling through uh, Spain. The one on the left is in New Orleans when we went for a trip for work. Um, so it was just kind of a way for me to like i guess travel in my head um and then obviously everything happening in this year was very very hard to digest with uh george Floyd and the protests and i felt really kind of helpless in my own head which i think most people did and other than educating myself and really understanding my own thinking and educating others around me i kind of channeled that into my art. And I was so inspired just by the protest all around the world and just by this momentum of this gigantic like civil movement that we were in. So on the left, there's a protest in Philly. Uh, in the middle, it's the Brooklyn Bridge. And then the last one is just a bar in New York. <laughs> but <laughs> it was just kind of a way for me to digest everything that was happening this year. Um, and I feel very privileged and very grateful that I've had the opportunity to even just do that. Um, and I've sent this those copies to uh, those prints to a few friends and just did it so they could uh, in exchange for like a donation to a charity mm-hmm. of their choice, just so I could kind of, you know, maybe help out a little bit here and there. Um, and it doesn't go to waste that much. Then I started getting into digital illustrations and got super into like creating like real life magazine things, right? Like the little watercolors in my sketchbook are like really bad quality and this is like analog to digital illustrations so you hand paint everything and then you scan it and then you put it together into like a a final image in photoshop so here you can see like some sketches i made um and then the final product is on the right and then the in between is on the left so it's super cool because you can kind of just like also stop me at any point when i'm going into (laughs) <laughs> long stories
0: no I, i'm I making notes of mental questions because i'm noticing <laughs> like one one of the themes across all these works is just kind of hyper detail like yeah li- all, all the lines on like very yeah. small bricks and like little bike spokes all, or every individual book has these lines how big are these yeah. are, are are these drawn pretty big where they're or like are you making like the tiniest lines to get these little yeah. details?
1: So in the watercolors, they're like the tiniest lines. Cause like the, the sketchbook is like this size or something, right. um, like eight by 10, I think, but those, those ones are large. So the church, for example, in the background was like a, a four letter okay. paper. Yeah, you I know, don't know. European we say A4, but <laughs> I, think I don't we know have what that is. here I've seen. I think that. you have that yeah. too, yeah. But um so they are pretty big. The the smaller details like the, the ferns and the foliage on the balconies, that's also pretty large. So it's maybe like this size, you know. Um so it, the I like digital illustration because it gives you much more freedom to paint more details and then you scale it down when you're in Photoshop. Um so that kind of gives you that magic where you can manipulate after you have hand painted something. Um, so yeah, that was, that gives you so much flexibility. Also, as you can then see in the, on the right one, you can color things in differently. You can overlay it differently. Um, you could change the composition of it. You can you make some things transparent. So I was just kind of playing around with like textures and transparency and scale and, and overlays. So my favorite, my favorite about this are the little bikes
0: yeah because
1: you just map, you know in the in the sketch before that they're just normal bikes but then colored in they kind of look more cool i guess or like more unique so um yeah you can add a lot of detail um yeah and there's a there's another uh example it's a bakery that i love in london and a friend of mine took a photo of it and you can see on the left that's an a4 as well mm-hmm. where i painted the Exterior and then the interior on the right, and then the reflections in the windows down there, um, and then you can see it put together here. And wow. the coloring is just great. The reflections that ended up the you know being colored in the windows, just I really loved playing around with that. Um, It just gives you so much flexibility. It takes, however, so long because you have to do everything first, like analog. And then while you're doing that, you have to figure out dimensions still because you can't not think about perspective and dimensions because that you can't really manipulate properly in Photoshop without it looking weird afterwards, especially with like lines like this. So it's kind of a lot of thinking, and uh, I always have my ruler out. I always have to figure out how to like put the perspective in. It's really fun. It's a lot of like constructing. Um, yeah, and then I got into animation. I'm, yeah. taking this, I'm taking you on this like whole Amy's art journey right now. <laughs>
0: So this is basically all since quarantine. Like yeah. With COVID quarantining, from yeah. the watercolors to animating. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is kind of cool because, like... I I have so much free time in <laughs> <laughs> in like a crazy way because you know what it was like when I was working full I mean I'm working full-time now but it's different because I'm home and there are no shows mm. so really my entire life before that was working 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 okay done working I'm going to a show I'm socializing I'm on a happy hour and I'm coming home and you're at restaurants and bars or you're at, at a live music show so you really don't get a lot of free time to have a hobby on the side. So really since March, I've actually had a hobby, which is kind of nice. But yeah, so I got into animation and this is like my first proper one about like a girl that steals a diamond. I'm sure you've seen it. I have, Um, And yeah, you could just see the storyboard I made, then like some of the key movements. So those are the first sketches. Um, And then, oh, I don't know if it's gonna play, but I'm gonna try.
0: Yeah. it may be a little choppy, it but yeah. it's plain.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, so this is like the animatic um, where I put all my sketches together to kind of see what the scene layout will look like um, and what the timing of the video will look like. It's very short. Um, but then took...
0: That was probably took, like a day
1: of work. It, yeah, it definitely took took a while. It's it All the sketches and then putting it together and figuring out the camera movements too, that definitely takes a while. And then also making decisions. I am terrible at making um, my autistic decisions because I can't decide if I want to do do it a certain way, so you can see it here. Oh yeah, I see. Then I went into like my my visual development, and I was like, "What what color palette do I want? Like, what is her hair gonna look like? What is the background gonna look like?" So I always do like fun Instagram polls and have people <laughs> just vote and help me figure it out. Um, so that was the visual development, and then I think I added yeah the final video. It's just like 17 seconds long. Um, where you then finally have it. And this is all frame by frame too. So I did this in After Effects and it's really a second by second of movement. And it took forever, <laughs> it took me like three months or something to get this 17 second uh, animation up and running. But it was great. Um, sorry, let's see, pause and play. And then here was another one that I made That was just. I saw
0: this one. I liked this one a lot.
1: It was just a cute tea bag jumping into a cup and relaxing because I I was drinking tea and was like, oh, how fun would it be if this were an animation? Um, Yeah, so I just kind of started playing around a little bit with all of that, um, and I became really passionate about it. Then during all of that, I realized I suck at drawing people. Because Mm -hmm. as you saw in the first animation with the diamond thief, uh, her face was just a mess. And it took me forever. And I forgot everything I learned in high school about like anatomy. And I was like, oh, wait, uh, maybe I should get better at this before I continue on my animation path. And I also discovered that I could actually have Procreate on my iPad, because for Mm -hmm. the longest time, I thought Procreate doesn't work on my iPad, because I have an old iPad realized i can great amazing uh downloaded it and then started doing some portraits to kind of understand just how the face is constructed um and how like how to draw skin tones like how to draw hair like how how to add all the details of like light and shadow in your face as well that's so subtle. um also p.s i got into this huge K-pop phase, which is so not me, that's why you see black pink artists on the slide and then Dua Lipa, who's not K-pop, but just a pop phase. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, then I got portraits and then that brought me to kind of my last part of me trying to become a better artist um of character design and really again this is all built on the fact that I hated my first animation and was like oh I I need to learn to be better at even creating a character to make it more appealing um so (laughs) I'm laughing at the first one because that was my first trial uh the one on the left right and it's so terrible. (laughs) It's just so bad because it's, I was trying to be cool to make it like an abstract character. I try to understand anatomy better, but make it different. But the issue with that is that you really have to understand anatomy to then skew it, to make it look cool in like surreal character design. So she just, to me, looks like a robot fish and (laughs) I just really couldn't figure it out and like i tried to do a turnaround to give her dimension and like she looks different in the profile version than she does in the frontal version and then her ears are all inconsistent like her eyes are terrible i could go on but,
0: no, but I, I love w- this stuff there's i think uh i'll have to send you this thing i found a while ago where is the the cartoon king of the hill i found these like animation sheets that had all these mm-hmm. rules for animators mm-hmm. on how to draw mm-hmm. things um mm-hmm. I think one of the rules is you can't ever have them look straight on because it looks weird, like everything needs to be at an angle and there's rules about how they grab things with their hands. So it's reminding me of all that.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I I took an online course on characters design to really understand it because I I really had no idea, no idea of like all the things you have to put in place for an animation to be successful. Um, So yeah, it it was super helpful to realize that I did everything wrong. (laughs) and then the, the one at the bottom is the the new version because i had to redo her after i kind of developed my style a little bit more i'm happy with that one it looks great it, it was like a real a proper turnaround like everything's level like she looks like herself and every single one of them so it was just like it was a huge learning cuff but also this is the crazy thing this was me practicing 10 days 10 days between those two wow. And I think like obviously 10 days of, you know, I'm working from like nine to five or like nine to four. And then really the end of the day until I go to sleep, I was practicing and just because I'm I'm a huge perfectionist, so I was trying really hard and I'm just like, oh my God, this, everyone can do art because you just have to sit <laughs> down and, and practice really. <laughs> but yeah, so then it just, it keeps on going. I have some expression sheets, oh, uh, cool. what she looks like when she wow. actually feels emotions um that was super super fun because i just looked at myself in the mirror and made those faces to see how your face is moving um to make it more realistic when you do animate them and then a full body turnaround just like what she would look like p.s the story behind her is she is a college student and a spy and she's living like an undercover life as a spy so this was like my concept brief that i was basing her on and obviously she's like in her college clothes in this one. Um, yeah. So my imagination was just kind of running wild with that. And then I just kept on going. So this is kind of what you've seen recently from yeah. me. Just I, like, I
0: hope the jewel thief per- becomes a recurring <laughs> series because there's so much effort into those characters. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's it, what it was building
0: on. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are, is that like, Oh, I did that. I'm moving on to the next thing. Or do you want to use her more?
1: Yeah, I want to use her more. So I really built out that character so I could kind of replace that, you know, victorial style character from the first animation with her. And I have Mm. some ideas for like some other scenarios, like very short, like 17, 20 second, like clips of using that character in like an environment. And I need to get better at environment design as well right now to like figure out how to match the background to the style of my characters. So it's... It's kind of wild because you think you have a style, but you don't really. And you're right. just like, kind of all over the place. Like As you can see, my architectural like illustration style is completely different to my character design style. So while I know how to illustrate architecture, I couldn't put those people into the universe of my architectural mm. illustrations because they just clash. So it's about kind of figuring out that balance a little bit more that I'm currently sort of working on um, knowing how to translate that like illustration background design into like my character design and kind of merge it a little bit more i have failed so far <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah
1: but my, um yeah my,
0: my cousin's an animator who works at pokemon and he oh. made this like animated uh short like a six minute short and yeah. i got to do the music for it which <gasps> was my favorite thing i've that's so done. cool because it was like the first time I. I wasn't writing and composing music just for me. It was like I had to write music that fit the scene. So if there's dialogue that all of a sudden changes the tone from happy to ominous or something, you need to like time that. And like, all right, let's go from major to minor right here. Or maybe music stops here if there's some kind of, and it was, the, so if you need music, yeah, for anything, I was, so, yeah. yeah,
1: I was just about to say, cause the one thing that's missing from my animation right now is music
0: <laughs> and sound design too. Just like, yeah. it, like even just like like swoop yeah. sounds when swiping the diamond. I love doing yeah. that sound design stuff. So uh, let's, let's so make something cool. happen.
1: Yeah, okay. I definitely will hit you up. I, I have some ideas for like longer animations that I really want to fulfill and like put on YouTube or something and yes. then I'll definitely need like some sound design and some music as like a, a score for those. Maybe we will be bought up bought up by Netflix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I think we're kind of at the end of this. Like this is my character design where it is now um i kind of figured out my style a little bit more i used like uh, a ton of just inspiration from my friends and selfies from my friends and tv shows so this has been kind of fun like there's a self-portrait i did there's a self-portrait of me in my uh-huh. sweatsuit although it doesn't look at all like me <laughs> it's still kind and of me that's like what art's me. for yeah, exactly. It's an alternate, alternative universe. But um, yeah, and then here's some like, it's really fun on Instagram. They do like oh, cool. draw this in your style challenges. And basically an artist will post something and they're like, draw this in your style. So those are some of the recent ones I did, including an Adobe and Marshmallow competition on the right, where I literally just posted it last night, where we were supposed to reimagine the helmet that he's wearing under like the theme of his music. And I chose the theme to be be kind, which is his song with Halsey. So like the girls modeled after Halsey and obviously wearing a helmet with a mask because it's the 2020 edition and it is, you know, time to be kind by wearing a mask, really. That was my PSA for everyone in this post.
0: And Um, people can vote on this.
1: Yeah, exactly. So the voting went live today this will publish
0: on Friday. We're recording yeah. this on Tuesday. Oh, so what okay. would we'll, we'll still be? Un- yeah. Able it will to be, still voted be voting on. time. Okay, yeah. good, good.
1: That's great. Yeah. So the voting opened today at noon and is going on all the way through december 17th and right. i really want to win i know there are a lot of other talented artists out there and i've seen some of the other work that looks incredible but you can win really cool things including like a three-month like adobe subscription which would be really cool um and then just like other like prize money and like things like getting a signed poster and like things like that which is really cool so yeah if you listen to this and uh you feel inclined to vote you can head over to my instagram that is art by aims x and uh i will have a link in my bio starting today with that
0: cool um is this is this the end of the yeah, slideshow
1: this is the cool. end of the slideshow I, I
0: know you're limited on time uh, let's do a quick rapid fire thing because i had a couple follow-up things for your art Okay. yeah um yeah. One, do you make art purely for yourself or like, are you hoping to sell pieces or even do commissions?
1: Oh, uh, I wish I could do commissions based because I'm going to work visa. I can't, uh, I can only work for oh, so far. Really? Yeah. So I could, I'm not able to do commissions, but I'm doing them one off just for my friends. I just give them some stuff. Um, mostly I'm doing it for myself. It's all about self-improvement for me.
0: Gotcha. Um, so yeah, on, on your page, it seemed like the digital and Um, yeah, digital is kind of really where your mind's at now. I was going way back on your Instagram and saw more like oil painting type things. Um, Are there other kind of mediums you want to experiment with you haven't yet?
1: Yeah, I went through like an oil paint phase when I was like a teenager or something. Uh Uh, I hated it. Uh, I cannot, I do not have the patience for that. And I I love doing collages. Like it's it's such a great way to be really creative and let your creativity run and i often when i feel stuck and have no inspiration for any uh, upcoming project i just like pull up some magazines i like, cut stuff out and like do some collages and sometimes i make them digitally too um because it just kind of gets my creativity flowing so that's a medium that i really like exploring in
0: Cool. Uh, and my last question: uh, You do a lot of work that's kind of based off photographs, where you're just trying to capture everything there. But when you're not doing that and you're doing something original, do you have the idea fully in your head before the pencil touches the paper, or is, or are you like just making decisions as you're making the art?
1: <laughs> I am such a type A person, <laughs> so really, I will like. I'm kind of this crazy person that will wake up at 3 a.m. and I have an idea and I write down notes on my phone Mm. and I flesh out the idea and then I go back to sleep and I wake up in the next morning and I have that complete idea in my head. And then I I put my pencil on paper and then I scrap the entire idea again. (laughs) So I usually have like a laid out plan thinking it will turn out really well. And then maybe I like it, maybe I don't. And then, yeah, I I usually scrap it when I have a full idea. But I always have a full idea.
0: (laughs) Got it. Well, thank you so much for talking today. This was so much fun. Getting to know you better. Uh, Last word is yours. If people want to stay up to date on So Far Sound Seattle or want to follow you and your artwork, where can they go? Any other plugs you want to give?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, you can follow me on my personal Instagram. That is AmesX. So Ames, A-M-E-S-X. And then, like I said, my art Instagram is X see i stayed on my same branding (laughs) um and yeah i mean i can't wait for all of this to be over we're working really hard at so far to to come back hopefully next year and i just want everyone to come to a show and we can all hang out again and yeah i just can't wait to be back with the music community in seattle
0: i'm so looking forward to it thanks again for talking amy
1: yeah thank you
0: all right bye everyone
1: bye